Okay, okay, okay. I know, I know. It's been a couple of weeks since the last episode, but what can I say? Um, that's life. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, a lot of us out here have full-time jobs. This podcast doesn't uh, pay the bills. doesn't pay any bills, that matter. I am beholden to no one. No, but uh, seriously, over the last couple of weeks, I had a lot going on between work and family. Um, quick uh, proud dad announcement. My daughter got into her high school of choice, this art. Uh, it was her first choice of high schools, this art school, study, film, media. So um, and and she had her prom, junior high school prom. So my baby girl's growing up. She's going on to high school. But yeah, between that um you know school ending um work ramping up stuff like that you know haven't been able to commit to dropping some you know podcast episodes and whatnot but i am back okay so um got a lot of things going on but before i do quick turkey season recap all right. So if you guys aren't following me on social media, specifically Instagram, because that's where I post a lot of um, information, stuff like that. Uh, my turkey season was a bust. Um, and by bust, I mean that no tur- no turkeys were harmed throughout the course of my turkey season. But as, just like last year and last year was the first spring turkey season that I hunted by myself. Um, this spring turkey season also... Um, Hunted a majority of the days by myself, but I got to go out twice um, with two different uh, guys. So opening day, May 1st, I got the opportunity to meet up with um, Brian Bird from New York BHA. Um, He invited me up to some private land he had access to, you know, took me around and we had a blast. That was the hunt where we chased two hand up toms all morning long and just could not get them to commit to uh the decoy we had set up and so it was a lot of set up the decoy set up the knee blind sit and call and you know the toms gobble back but they just wouldn't come in then once they were out of range it was all right break that down and then hustle over to the next spot and and uh set up the decoy and the knee blind knee blind again and get another crack at it and we did that all morning we literally just ran laps around this property that morning now um the second day that i got to hunt was almost two weeks later um because you know the following weekend after opening day was not only mother's day weekend but it was also my wedding anniversary so i wasn't doing any hunting that weekend so um went out the following weekend took a buddy turkey hunting that was the hunt where uh, halfway up this mountain we were climbing to get to the spot um, I was looking to hunt. Um, we ran into two other hunters. Uh, so we did the right thing. Um, we extended uh, a courtesy, you know, they were there first. So we turned back around and started heading back to our cars. And on our way down, we saw another hunter. So we already knew this spot was ridiculously pressured. Um, so we went on to another spot, heard no gobbles whatsoever. So it turned into a little bit of, um, a scouting, um, a scouting trip, if you will, because this was property that I've been on and I've deer hunted before, but we ended up walking these trails and even going off trail, hiking this entire property and just essentially getting the lay of the land. So that was fun. And then after that, I hunted like another five or six days after that. And when I tell you, I guess what's most frustrating about it is, is being on a bird or within a roosting bird within, let's say 20 to 30 yards of a roosting bird and probably more than that, but knowing they're there, you know what I'm saying? You're there early in the morning and you know, they're there, they know you're there or they think, you know, a hen is there, um, It's kind of frustrating because you're trying to make things happen and whatnot, and it's not all coming together, but still a learning process. One of the things I I had learned just before going to the season, which I didn't know last spring turkey season, was that um, in nature, basically, hens go to toms. I I had no clue about that. You know what I'm saying? So 
that kind of changed my mentality a, a bit. And then also speaking with a lot of people, I now know towards the end of the season, I'm going to want to switch up my hunting tactics from being, you know, stationary and in some form of cover, like behind a knee blind or in a box blind, whatever it may be, um, to maybe switching it up to a run and gun because um, chances are that late in the season, because, you know, the New York season runs from May 1st to May 31st. To, so that late in the season, towards the end of the season, I should say, like the last week, the last two weeks of May, um, what do you call it? Tom's may be, you know, over it. I guess I don't know what the proper term is, but they may not necessarily be looking or really searching that hard for a hen. So it may, be, even though they're gobbling, it may be more about me having to get up, being mobile, or as everyone likes to say, running gun. So that essentially was it for my turkey season. Um, had a blast, learned a lot, and now I'm looking forward to deer season. All right, so before we jump into this episode, um, I want to give you guys a quick update. Um, as you know, um, teamed up with a couple of guys here um, in New York City, and we have started our own chapter of the night. All right. Um, there's no blooper reel, so you're going to hear that. You just heard that. So like I said, um, I've teamed up with a couple of guys here in New York City, and we have started our own New York City chapter of the National Wild Turkey Federation. And um, I just wanted to share with you guys some of the progress we've made in that there are a lot of virtual meetings going on, phone calls being made, um, and we're looking to, we are looking to basically have our first event um, probably as early as this September, right around the start of the school year, um, you know, we're looking to make ourselves known, make our presence felt beginning with an event in September. So we're getting a little bit more official. Um, you know, the goal is, is essentially we're trying to engage folks in New York City and the metro area, metro area meaning um, you know, towns, counties right outside of New York as well, like Westchester County, Suffolk County, and so on, um, with a focus on New York City. So be on the lookout. We got a lot, a lot coming um, to basically, just like I said, engage folks out here in this city. One last announcement. I promise this is it. Um, if you guys aren't following me already, social media, Instagram specifically, at Urban Archery NYC. I announced um, just a couple of days ago, I partnered with the New York chapter of BHA, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and we are hosting an introduction to deer scouting. So if you are in the New York City area, you are interested in learning some basic skills in regards to deer scouting for this fall um and maybe so you can do a little bit of scouting on your own before the um deer season begins out here um we are holding again a intro to deer scouting event that is on july 2nd so fourth of july weekend we know that's sometimes not sometimes that's usually a big travel weekend for a lot of folks but it's taking place out on long island head over to my Instagram page at Urban Archery NYC or go to the show notes of this episode of the podcast. There will be a link to the um, New York BHA website that'll allow you to RSVP and hold down a spot for yourself. All right. So definitely, definitely, definitely check that out. And um, that's it. Here's my intro music. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to When the Hunt Calls, the only hunting podcast hosted by a middle-aged black guy from New York City. I am said host, Cliff Cadet. What's going on, people? My guest today uh, on the line with me right now 
is none other than Fred Bird. What's going on, Fred? What's up, Cliff? How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm not as, as hot as you down there in, in the city, but uh, the, the humidity and the temper rising up here in, in New England, for sure. Oh, I, I, I wish I was enjoying that, that weather right now. It's like uh, in the back of a, a van. <laughs> God bless you. It's almost it's like pushing ninety here today, and then the back of my work truck is like you know ten to fifteen degrees more than that. But it's uh what's the word? Um, basically, I, I can handle it. I got it. It's a uh, when I get to, at at the end of the day when I get to to have conversations with some cool people, uh, I don't mind putting up with the heat. Yeah. So, uh, Ben, so listen, I wanted to have you, I've wanted to have you on as a guest for a while now. Um, so we met, um, I, I, just to let my, my listeners know, you and I met because I was guest on a podcast of yours a while back called Morning Thunder, right? That's right. All right. And then um, that was a, a turkey, well, it was a turkey hunting uh, podcast. So Morning Thunder was a, uh, it was basically the turkey brand that fell under the uh, Project Upland community of brands. So AJ DeRosa uh, and his team who ended up very successful with the Upland project, with Project Upland. Um, they had an endless migration. They, they worked, um, I think, for a time with Jarrell Smith uh, on this boarding dog notebook. I think that's what it was called. And, and he so yeah, uh, long story short, uh, Morning Thunder was the turkey uh, offshoot of that that collection of brands. Got it, got it. And then you, um, not too long after, um, you know, my being able to be a guest on that podcast, you transitioned to being a whole the host of the Turkey Call podcast, which is like, which not like is the official podcast of the NWTF. Um, how did that that come about? So the story behind the Turkey Pod, the NWTF podcast, uh, years ago when I was regional director uh, in, in the New England region, um, I had been a guest on uh, my brother Jay Scott, not the uh, Gould's Turkey Hunter Jay Scott in the West, but uh, Big Buck Registry Jay Scott. And at the time, Big Buck Registry, I think it still still maintains an incredible amount of interaction in uh, it was it was kind of the cast me out. Uh, Jay and Dusty had anybody who's anybody in in, in deer hunting, uh, the deer hunting community, and um, you know the like on their show. And, and to that end, Jay and I like, connected, and he had me on talk about uh, NWTF fundraising banquet stuff and what we were doing in the region. And it was my my first real exposure to podcasting as a medium, uh, being guests, things like that, and. And Jay and I just had this this flow, man. Like we just went back and forth, like you know, just two bros growing out, talking about hunting, um, and just uh, getting excited about fundraising and things like that. And when the, when the mics turned off, he's like, "That was really good. Like we had something there." And I said, "Yeah, man, there's definitely something to this." And and as a regional director, I'm always in fundraising mode. I'm like, "Man, there's there's an opportunity to like." to sell this, to sell sponsorships, to sell ad space. So from a, a fundraising component, and never mind the, you know, I hadn't even tapped into the storytelling ability, the, the nonstop 24 seven, you know, recruitment side of it. Um, mm -hmm. Being able to, to make that, you know, that air figure quote mailbox money, you know, while we're out there on the ground, working with volunteers, executing fundraising banquets and still having revenue come in, the mission unrestricted dollars like that was appealing so regionally i mean it was still the only podcast nwtf had and we were we were rolling with it and it was called the strut zone well when i left nwtf the first time um the, the podcast kind of went to sleep if you will um but when i was i was contacted to come back um our leadership had asked me to say hey um we'd very much like you to, to bring wake up that podcast, bring it back to life. And so what, what we did was, I'm back, let's, uh, let's give it a facelift, let's, let's have it fall in line with what we're doing. At the time, we were gone, gone through a brand evolution, new logo, new feel. Uh, the book changed from 
Turkey Country Magazine, the Turkey Call, and it went, you know, it was a harken back to the original Turkey Call Magazine, look in the field. So everything changed. They're like, all right, let's, let's freshen up this podcast. Uh, and now it is officially, you know, you can put that moniker on the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation and able enable me to, um, our, and our national team to uh, do exactly what my initial intent was, was to fundraise, to, to sell ad space, to create new relationships um, in that space and, and ultimately uh, go to where the people are. And you know that. I mean, this is this is a medium where people can, can consume it on demand as they go, as they please, in the back of their work trucks, on the treadmill, on a walk, like wherever. And if they want to hit pause and come back to it or, or rewind and listen to a thought or a conversation, they can do all of that versus, you know, terrestrial radio, which you know, still rules the day, but you can't rewind live radio, right? <laughs> Agreed. No. So but. that's where we are today uh, with with that. Um, the, the morning thunder thing, you know, it was it was a it was an opportunity. I I never expected to get a phone call from NWTF. So you know, we were we were diving headfirst into that. AJ and I really trying to build that turkey brand for Project Upland uh, up to what it could be. Uh, and it was certainly a different different opportunity. You know, you, you have nonprofit space in NWGF versus a for-profit and Project Upland and you know, storytelling and, and all of that. Um, it, was, it was certainly a lot of fun. And, and AJ and I still continue to work together and, and collab today. Um, I, hope, I hope at some point they can stand that up because the, the, the talent on that side they they got mm-hmm. it going on. Turkey project would be fantastic for their for their portfolio, no doubt. Nice. Well, it's awesome that I mean that you were able to transition like that, especially right right at the like you like you call it the you know the NWTF's brand evolution. You're able to get on because I to be honest, I've been enjoying Turkey Call. So great job um, on that because I look forward to the episodes every week. No, and I, uh, they're a lot of fun. And right now we are elbow deep in, in content. Uh, so much so, I'm, I, mean, I feel fortunate and I feel bad. It's a double edged sword, right? It's like uh, I have a lot of requests, people wanting to come on, recognizing that the platform is. Um, is one to uh, to to be leveraged. Um, mm-hmm. and certainly, want to get their voice on it. Um, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the time when we are able to double our efforts insofar as uh, offering more content on, on, a, on a more regular basis. Right now, like you said, it's every other week. Drop a, an episode, uh, but at the same time, you know, we're all everybody in that organization uh, are wearing multiple hats. Um, from the top on down, right? I mean, everyone. Yeah. Up, you have to saw the, the the new structure of leadership, the CEO uh, style that that uh, our board of directors has has opted to go with. So you have, you know, right now you have three CEOs um, in charge of three very important parts of of the organization, and then after convention you will have two, um, and then those 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 duties that. Uh, Humphreys relieved of those will no doubt be disseminated somehow, but um, you know myself included, like you and I have talked, I I do the podcast, uh, I manage our social media and, and that team, and then I'm designing swag for for our ecom shop. So <laughs> multifaceted for sure. So um, at some point it's going to be good. Um, we have the bandwidth and and uh, the ability to. Um, Put more out because there, like I said, there is no shortage. I honestly like if I took every opportunity we had right now, I, I think I could put out a, a new episode probably every two weeks. Um, and it's just it's in Turkey in the Turkey world right now. I mean, it's if you're not in it, I mean, all you got to do is do a couple Google searches to find out that you know turkey hunting and turkey conservation, uh, it's. It's a, it's a tumultuous time. I feel like tumultuous could be too hard of a word, but you know, it's it's a it's a time of concern. You know, in the 2000s, there was this push to put turkeys in cardboard boxes and, and 
put them in all states where they possibly could and, and replenish native uh, populations and then introduce turkeys to non-native areas of the country and see how they establish. And that was a great call to action and people could get behind that. And then there was an exciting time. You have that, but the just opposed is the other way, right? It's, it's an exciting time because there are declines in these populations of, of wild turkeys uh, throughout the country. So exciting for uh, different motivations, but that mo- that motivation is, is just as strong uh, as you had 20 plus years ago, putting turkeys in cardboard boxes. Now it's, okay, let's, let's maintain what we have on the landscape. And, uh, you know, we have not seen such a, a swell of support and involvement and, and curiosity about these birds in, in quite some time. So just coming fresh off the heels of the 12th National Wild Turkey Symposium, where all the brightest minds in turkey research and turkey conservation, wild turkey conservation, were all in one room. Uh, and, and to listen to these these professionals, all of them, I think, <laughs> that I interviewed were doctors with the exception of one, and he was almost there, a uh, nice fellow out of, out of Florida. Um, these people have dedicated their entire professional and their personal lives uh, to this wonderful bird and making sure we maintain, you know, uh, huntable populations and across the 49 states that they're in, uh, as well as keeping up that, that hunter satisfaction, right? Because, you know, when you're out there in, in the public lands in New York or I'm over here in, in New Hampshire, like we're chasing that gobble, man. Whether we whether we pull the trigger or not, and most of the time we do not. Um, mm-hmm. As long as we're hearing that gobble and we're getting those interactions and we're having that that literal conversation, uh, fake turkey to real turkey, uh, you walk out of the woods saying, "Yeah, oh, that was a good day." But when you don't hear that gobble and like, man, I don't, I'm not even seeing birds. That could be arduous, and then you know, starts a risk. You know, this 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 reward system of. You know, is it worth my time getting up at four in the morning? Is it, you know, where gas is $5 a damn gallon now, I mean, especially at the end of the season, is it worth me taking that trip over to another state or, you know, driving a half hour? It's going to cost me damn near $100 round trip just to go chase turkeys. That may or not may not be there. So, so much going on, so much to be excited about insofar as work that's going on. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. like say it, all is not lost. It's not Turkey Armageddon. Uh, turkeys aren't <laughs> going. Just some things are, are changing on the landscape, and, and we may have to, you know, look at dialing some things back. And when I say we, I mean the professionals and state agencies, because state agencies that make those decisions, not the not the doctors at the University of, of Georgia, not the you know biologists at the NWTF. They do the research. They make the recommendations. And because of their standing in the community, they're able to, you know, influence people. But ultimately, your state agency is the one making those decisions. Got it. Got it. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, and I'm going to give you uh, a two-part question. All right. You mentioned that you were a regional director with the NWTF, right? So Correct. my my first question is going to be, if you can let my listeners know, what exactly a regional director does for the National Wild Turkey Federation? And the second part being, second part to the question being, um, where do you feel you're affecting more change? Did you do so, do you believe you did so more as a regional director or you're doing so now as the host of this podcast that allows you to kind of maybe hear, um, not hear, but uh, allow more people to hear your voice? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, both great questions. So I'll, I'll tackle the first one. I think it's, it's, I think it's easier to answer. So a regional director <laughs> uh, essentially is assigned a region. It's in the name, and their primary focus is is recruitment and fundraising. Uh, maybe in that order. Maybe that depending on the. Uh, but nevertheless, they're both very equal in the eyes of of the whole goal and mission. So. When I took the New England region over, um, I, I would say financially it was upside down. Um, recruiting, you know, when I say recruiting, it's it's not going out and just selling a membership at like a sport expo and you know signing people up. It's when you recruit, it's like what you're doing, Cliff, in, in New York City, which I, I hope we get to talk about. I don't want to run too long on my, my thoughts here, um, but standing up new chapters. 
and recruiting new people to to take up that flag of those chapters and be active participants in their membership and their volunteerism, where you have a, a president, a vice president, a treasurer, a secretary, and then you have these active volunteers that support that, that like local board of directors, right? And then they start making decisions and they decide to have a fundraising banquet and they goal set dollar amounts they want to fundraise and and what they can do with that money locally, what that money does for the state, and then they work together with the state board and all that, right? So the regional director works to cultivate that community within their region and then constantly improve upon it. And you're constantly, you know, you're taking care of, of the, the, the chapters that have been there for, for years, for decades, and having them be leaders within the volunteer ranks to help stand up these new chapters that a regional director will recruit, will put together and have those conversations. And then everyone starts working together and starts working you know, in harmony and, and it's for the greater good. Now in a single state, that's, that's probably easier than like say New England where you're in a group of six small states. And, you know, up here it's very, you have that big state mentality, but ultimately the when it boils down to it, you have six separate super funds so that super fund is where the, all that money goes. Um, the percentage of the money raised at the, the fundraising banquet right? goes into that super fund. And then the state board of directors uh, decides how to allocate that money, how to use that money um, within the state, right? So um, it can be challenging in a little state uh, conglomerate like New England, but in like Texas, uh, it's a big giant state. It's like its own country, right? So bottom line, essentially, that's what a regional director does. It's growing the region, growing the volunteer ranks, and then turning that into to dollars that can help with mission delivery on the ground. Now, for the second part of your question, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, the challenge with the podcast is, you know, as you well know, the space has become, so when I started in 2017, there wasn't near the amount of podcasts on the scene, never mind niche podcasts, so the outdoor space, the hunting space. Now it's become pretty accessible and I, I dare say fairly easy uh, for just about anyone with, with the wherewithal and, and a working computer to pull this off. Um, whether you're monetizing or not, that could probably be a different challenge, but I think just about anybody you know, can, can stand a podcast up and and put it out there pretty easy um so the challenge becomes you're fighting fighting the algorithms uh, you're fighting saturation saturation in the space and even hell even in turkey i mean now you got you got our podcast you got spring legion um you know meat eater they're on they're on their own plane but they you know turkey season they dabble in that uh, kind of take that conversation over and there's a multitude of others and they're all great guys like i don't it's not like a, a competition where oh, i hate that guy or that guy's out there it's just we all got a good message um and then they're all different in their own way right so it's that presents this challenge so i you you know you often wonder who's hearing it um there's no way to you know you can look at your download you can look at your numbers but you don't really know who's listening right on the other end of that speaker are they members? Are they not members? Are they feeling affected? And, you know, eventually, once this thing is, you know, at least a year, year and a half old and, you know, start looking at ways to start measuring that ROI for us um, by way of some strategic, uh, we're going to do some things to see if we can measure that, right? There's going to be a way to find out who who's who in the zoo and, and start getting those folks to self-identify. Ultimately, my hope is that you know, as I stated before, that this this thing is constantly spreading our message, talking about our mission, and inspiring people to join and hear that message. And, and that's when they're like, "Yeah, I, I heard this podcast. I heard you guys talking about this and that." And I think now every show I talk about, you know, 3.1 roughly million turkey hunters, licensed turkey hunters in the country, and the NWTF enjoys roughly 10% of that population. Uh, probably less at this point. Uh, we it should be it should be all of that three million in my opinion. But hell, if we could get to 
you know, fifty percent of that three million. I mean, you're you're doing something at that point. That's to have one point five million members that are just pure like to what you're doing. That's incredible thing. So certainly lofty goals abound. Um, but for me, that would be that'd be my ultimate goal with it is that people are hearing these stories as long as they're living out there interwebs and they're just uh they're getting just as jacked as you and i you know they hear us talk about you know, your 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 goals that you have for yourself in the new york woods and on public land and you know they're like oh they, they're doing it you know we can do it too and there's got to be a way to help and yeah yeah you can help you can sign up for a membership right now and then once you do you can get plugged in locally like what you're doing uh and, and do amazing things and that's not conjecture i mean it's really amazing in 2022 everything we've been through in two years with so many folks that are me focused right uh, the, yeah the, it's it's hard right i mean the, the days that you and i grew up in and our parents grew up in where there was a huge sense of community uh, mm-hmm. those days seem to be somewhat dead you know i don't even know my neighbors and i live in a, a nice neighborhood I can't imagine what that's like in, a, in an urban or a built-up city environment like you're in. Like, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm completely off base. Maybe you actually, because you're so close, literally, uh, geographically speaking, within feet of people, that maybe you're forced to know them. I, I don't know, but uh, it's not like it was when I was a kid. And that, that going down in the Hammond Bean Supper crowd is all but passed away. No, it, I I totally agree, and I feel like. Um, I can totally put that square, or well, I believe, my opinion is that, that that falls square on the shoulders of technology and even social media, to make it a little bit more, more specific, in that it's made us globally, it's made our world a little bit smaller, but then locally, it's disconnected us. You know but what I'm I saying? Totally agree. But, um, but yeah, so listen... Um, bef- like I want to jump into, I want to dive into kind of your your hunting experience, specifically a turkey hunting experience. But before I do, uh, I mean, you're aware, even my listeners are aware that you know I've teamed up with a couple of guys out here in the city, and we're in the process of establishing our own NWTF chapter um, here. Um, with your experience as a regional director. Um, what advice could you offer us as a brand new chapter? I mean, for you guys that are, are, are standing this thing up, and you guys, and I have talked about this in the past, but the audience, you know, it's it's one thing to have a core group of very excited, passionate volunteers ready to go, but those volunteers, like yourself and your committee that you've established, you know, your, your volunteer leadership, uh, you're only as successful as the people that are there to support you. And that's a, you know, that's your family, that's your kids, that's your wives. Uh, if you got, some, you know, husbands that are, that whatever your spousal situation is, that they realize that you're going to give some of your time free, free time. This is our most valuable commodity. And that's why I always had, you know, started a conversation with a new committee was your money's great and it's, it's needed. Um, but your time is way more valuable. If you can't get it back. And many of us don't have a lot to give. So for the, the, the committee leadership, the, you know, all the, the president, vice president, all those big picture folks, uh, you're as successful as the committee you build for the people that are out there recruiting on your behalf, that are out there soliciting donations, that are out there, you know, when it comes time to pull off a, a, a banquet, a dinner, or an outreach event, taking the kids fishing, you know, whatever that looks like. That takes many hands and that takes many heartbeats to get that, pull that off. It can't be the same six folks doing it all the time because one, you don't have enough bandwidth. Two, you're going to get burnt out. It's just, you just don't have it. But if you're, if you're interested in this, right, and you're hearing this, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm close to Cliff. I could go be a part of what Cliff is doing by just simply volunteering for one day or saying, oh, I, I'm tied into this Rotary Club or, you know, these professional, um organizations or fraternities that you can do something as little as it may seem to you for cliff and his group it's huge so if you're able to 
sponsor a table or get a, a product donation or what, whatever that looks like. You know, nothing is too small. And when it all comes together, man, it's magic. It's huge. But I, I come back to it. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing what you and your, your volunteer leaders uh, are doing and are, are going to continue to do there in, in New York City. Um, but that, that is made stronger by a group of folks that, that, that you know, flow charted out, if you want, that would fall underneath you um, that aren't, you know, out there hustling and grinding for this stuff, you know, pretty much throughout the year. But if they can show up once or twice a year, like I said, um, and support throughout passively, that's, that's so important. That's going to, but I, I think, I think you and I know that what you guys are doing there is, it's completely different um, and, and has the, the potential and the capacity to be really remarkable and special. And I, I you guys very well maybe write the book on how some of this stuff is done. But it's such a unique, geographically speaking, it's such a unique opportunity. Um, and, and the motivations and then the people, the literal people behind what is going on, uh, I, I think, you know, look out. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty damn awesome. Uh, that's that's what I'm hoping. That's what we're all hoping, uh, my team and I. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Let's switch gears a little bit and um, let's learn a little bit more about you, man. Because uh, I'm a huge fan of your social media page, specifically your Instagram page. From your runs, your workouts, to you know your next guest on on the Turkey Call podcast, to even your, your like your recent spring turkey season. I gotta ask, like, how how did you get into hunting? Um, is it something you grew up with, or are you kind of like me? You're an adult onset hunter. Yeah, man. As, as Ben O'Brien has, has corrected me and, and, and kind of inspired me to put new vernacular into my uh, my daily, I, I, I was an emergent hunter, or like you said, adult onset hunter. Um, it was something I always wanted to do and just always thought that uh, we were too poor. And I never wanted to burden my dad with such an ask for my mom. But, you know, that, that stuff came, with, you know, from, from son to father. We fished like crazy since I was three years old. I was catching bass with him and, and doing that. But um, I would always read the hunting digest, the rules. I would study them. I would, you know, I think back in the day at ESPN, had some hunting shows. I don't think Outdoor Channel or any of that stuff existed. So it was like whatever was on Sunday or Saturday mornings, probably Tom Miranda, probably my buddy Greg Ritz at one point. Uh, you know, those folks were on there. Probably a Dale Earnhardt Sr. was on there, you know, killing deer. Um, but I never wanted to burden with it, so I didn't ask. So it wasn't until I was in the military um, and I had an opportunity to go to Ohio for Thanksgiving that I had my first opportunity to deer hunt. And if you're going to have a good place to deer hunt, I guess Southeastern Ohio is it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Definitely. Um, that was my first trip into that. And because it was Southeastern Ohio, I, I was successful and it worked out. I, I, if I had done that here in New Hampshire, I probably, I don't know if I would have followed through because it's just such a more challenging place to hunt deer. Um, which is why I always recommend taking new hunters out, no matter what their age, uh, turkey hunting, uh, for a myriad of reasons, like just the interaction, the excitement. Uh, it's just, it's not deer hunting. I don't have a problem with deer hunting. I just, it's not turkey hunting, right? Um, mm. So, you know, you're talking to a guy that's in his early 20s, uh, figuring this thing out way before social media. Um, YouTube might have been a thing. I don't think it was. I certainly wasn't aware of it back there in the early 2000s. I mean, I'm going back 20 years plus now. Um, you know, a lot of it was uh, cassette tapes, VHS tapes, if we had them. Um, I mean, eBay was the way to buy gear. That was still, a, you know, a primary online purchasing place. Fast Pro Shops weren't as plentiful as they are now. I, hell, I can remember being stationed at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia their, uh, their Hampton Roads uh, building uh, store, brick and mortar store went up while I was there. It was constructed, it was completed, and I, used to, I think I was there like three times a day. <laughs> Let's just like going there. But you'd learn. <laughs> that's um, But it wasn't until I, I moved back to New England that I kind of went head first. Now, by that time, 
internet had come along a little bit. And, you know, I, I never really had a mentor. I had many online mentors that will never know they helped me along the way, but you know, it's just that's how I learned and reading books. And then eventually um, joining the NWTF as a volunteer and then as a staff member. Um, made me realize that I was a diehard Adolf turkey hunter, and that was my passion and my obsession. The more I hunted with more people and just picked up different things, it made me a, a better turkey hunter. I could have ever been on my own or with YouTube or with VHS tapes, and you can listen and watch, but until you're actually in that space and sharing dirt with people, um, that's, that's how I honed my craft. I learned so many things. I got humbled so many ways. And it was just a lot of big life lessons. Hunted um, with all sorts of volunteers are perfectly talented. Turkey hunters, how's that for an alliteration? Uh, all the way up to you know, hunting with you know your different folks, celebrities. Um, tell the story often. Jason Hart, um, Nomad, all of that. Uh, released his 49 state inclusion, uh, Chasing Heart, that came out on uh, 49. Uh, their videos, anyway, it was it was Heart's conclusion that his 49 state super. Heart mm -hmm. was here in New Hampshire, and I was was fortunate enough and honored enough to be a part of his his 49 state goals and slam and. Art pulled out a box call, and I remember just being too cool for school, and I didn't have a box call on my vest. I just thought box calls were for, for little kids, and ladies, and stuff. And damn it, man, if, if a turkey hunter of this caliber can have a box call and run that box call at the camp, uh, I can too. So that that's just one example of you know humility coming into it, and then honing the craft, and then learning that you know you're not as not as good or deep into this thing as you think you are and then just it's just having your mind open and the willingness to, to learn from anybody so um, i don't know if that answered all of your questions <laughs> sorry, sorry <laughs> no, being there and getting all excited <laughs> i could i could tell you the exact moment and i could if you ever came out here and you will come out here uh, at some point i i will show you the exact tree where that that memory uh, lives and came from Hope that tree stands for a long time. Thanks. That's 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 awesome. Nah, that's definitely awesome. But uh, you know what? Um, I gotta ask because uh, you know, during or probably just before turkey season, you know, the whole crew at Meat Eater had um, there was, I guess, a, a partnership between Meat Eater and the National Wild Turkey Federation. You know, a, a kind of big push uh, for membership. Um, you know, Trek for Turkeys, I believe um, it was called. Uh, but it seemed like um, during the spring, you kind of not only adopted that, um, you know, that mantra, but I mean, you were living it essentially because it seemed like every other post I saw, you were in a different state hunting oh. turkeys. And I was like, dude, it, it was kind of like, where in the world is is Fred today? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It was a crazy two weeks. And so it all worked out uh, because of the podcast, right? I was like, let's go, let's take the podcast on the road. Let's get sound in real time in unique spaces with unique guests. And uh, the planning for that started, I think, 10 or 12 months in advance of the turkey season. But yeah, I mean, it worked out, the, you know, with the, the, the call to action and the campaign there because. Uh, the good folks at Meat Eater, what they were doing is having their own little trek for turkey. So wherever they were going in their their areas hunting, um, you know, basically the thing was, um, you know, I'm here on this piece of ground, and here's why this piece of ground is important, or here's where NWTF and partners have, have enhanced habitat or put turkeys on the ground. So it was a real cool way to highlight these magical places on the landscape where our volunteers, um, state agency partners, and our professionals had a hand in the turkey restoration history, the lineage at some point, or even recent, you know, whether it was a cold burn or an invasive uh, eradication, or this was a seed spot, you know, for turkeys 30 years ago where the first turkeys were released. 
So that was what they were doing that whole team. So they would go somewhere, you know, pull their phone out, say, Hey, I'm here on this piece of land. Here's why it's important. And here's why you should sign up for membership. Here's why memberships are important. Those membership dollars. Um, I got to kind of do that by virtue of already having planned to be out on the road. So, you know, starting, starting my, uh, for turkeys in Montana, two spots in Montana. I was I was out to uh, Jason Matzinger hosts a wall tent turkey camp, which is unique in and of itself. It's like this spike camp for elk, but it's for turkeys, and uh, it's in you know this very wilderness area of Montana, and it's completely different than what I'm used to in the Northeast, you know, the colonial forest, big six area. Um, so you know, go out there, tell that story, meet a lot of those folks some sound and then uh traveled east in the state almost to north dakota where i, I hooked up with jason harwater he's a regional director out there uh and ben o'brien got to you know tell more stories see more uh different part of that state that again that you know jason and his volunteers have had hand in and, and uh, the land we hunted was a place where they they execute some veteran hunts so there's some outreach that was going on there um, actually, hey, I must go back. It started in Kansas where I hooked up with uh, my partner in crime, Gilbert Randolph, who uh, is my engineer uh, on the podcast. And then uh, he works with me for me uh, on the social team. So we were able to uh, spend a little time on my way there, um, getting to know each other some more. And, um, you, know, you know, just basically having a team meeting, which was a really cool way to have a team meeting uh, in the turkey group. Uh, fast forward to Montana, and then I went down to Georgia, hooked up with Darrell Smith, uh, Minority Outdoor Alliance, and the Sporting Life Notebook. Um, we had like 24 hours. That was a podcast, too, that was planned, but, you know, we said, hey, we can squeeze in a turkey hunt. Let's do that. Um, and we did. It was very hot, just like today. Um, but we got to, you know, we got to hang out and continue our conversation from convention that we had on stage with him and his wife, Ashley, and Mary O'Neill Phillips from Country Outdoors. Um, just really, you know, talk about bigger picture things and, and then came back home and uh, continued on with the New England season, as it were. So it was it was very busy um, and living out of a bag. Kids at home, and you and I have talked about this, leaving, leaving uh, your wife with the kids and trying to pull off all the daily logistics with one parent i mean that's that's a big ask man and you know they're like me it weighs on you terribly as soon as you leave the house and you start traveling or you get on that plane or you get in that key or wherever the hell you're going man it's like i left her and now she's responsible for all this and you're grateful mm-hmm. as we're coming up on father's day you think about that stuff and how important moms are and man, thank god we got because I, there was there's no way in hell i'd I can pull that off without her. So, uh, yeah, dude, I, it was it was a hell of a spring. Say it again. I'm sorry, I, I missed it that was last. A hell of a spring, and I, I just the storytelling. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be yes here. Killing turkeys where you can, wherever you can, is a, is a hell of a time, and I'm never gonna turn that down. But um, I love this like you. I do this because I like the storytelling. I like I like um, interacting with different human beings in that setting and that environment. And it's almost always positive. And you're, if you're listening, you're constantly learning. And then just professionally, personally, if you've got an open mind and no ego, man, you come away from these conversations and these experiences with this. so much more than you could have anticipated and plus a turkey which is even better so no definitely definitely and i gotta tell you that that's kind of what i enjoy about actually doing podcasts is just like you said is hearing the stories having conversations um and and learning you know what i'm saying from from different people it's that that's that's it this is what i try to bring across with my podcast is just having cool conversations with some cool people, cool hunting conversations with some cool hunters, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and you're one of them because you and I, have, like we've chatted over the phone before. Um, I got to say thank you because you're also one to one take my call, respond to my texts, 
or I'll respond to my DMs. So thank you for that. I truly appreciate oh, it. Uh, that's, that's nothing. Colin, whatever we can do to be successful together, man, that's that's how that's how we're gonna move the ball forward, you know. It's um what you're doing down there and what you're attempting to do with your team. Um people are gonna see it eventually once it happens. But I mean as as the planning goes and things like that and you guys are doing all the work. Picking up the phone—that's that's a true pleasure. I'm glad I can help and, and have a small part in it because you know you got a couple of great regional directors and Sean Lonsman and, and Carter East. Uh, you know, basically that can help tag team that that effort down there and put their their you know, professional prowess behind it. And you guys are going to do some amazing things, man. And then we'll do another podcast about it and talk about the great success that it was and that it continues to be. Definitely, definitely. All right, man. So let, let's round this conversation out with one final question. I guess what because what I like to do is, um, you know, my podcast is entitled When the Hunt Calls. I, I do feel like whether it's it's early, late in life, whatever it is, you know, enjoying the outdoors because sometimes it, it can be a calling. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, whether you choose to to listen to that call and answer is, you know, on you. But um, what would you, what piece of advice, and I'll get even more specific, not just say hunters in general, but since, you know, we're both really into turkey hunting, what piece of advice would you offer the new turkey hunter? Like, what is one thing you think that tur- new turkey hunters should know from the jump? Not as easy as you think. <laughs> and I say that because you know a lot of people that aren't in the know, they're hunting, feed them at their bird feeders. You know. It's very cliche at this point because I've, I've heard it so much over so many years. You know, oh, it's got to be the easiest thing to kill. I see those stupid things. They're like rats. They're everywhere. Okay, granted, I hear you. You're in New York City or you're in Boston, Massachusetts, where you can't hunt them and there's very low predation. Yeah, now they're freaking everywhere, of course. Get that. Uh, but when you go out to the wild places, uh, a little different. And then I would just say, you know, never lesson I learned. Um, don't think you know it all. You know, keep that ego in the back pocket. We all have ego. You're never going to get it. But just learning to check that, always having a willingness to listen and learn. Uh, even from the most unlikely sources, um, there's there's always something to pick up, and you'll be a better turkey hunter re- because of it. And I'd say, lastly, just have fun. Um, again, the, the, that whole ego thing, and you mentioned social media, that, that inevitably creeps into everyone's brain. And I think of subconsciously this, this, this crazy um, need for competitiveness, and it's just it's it's a tracks from the experience and, and probably what your calling was, right? Why you got into it and chose to answer that call. That's what happened to deer hunting for me. Uh, too many people being too competitive with too many opinions. I was like, you know, this is not, this is not fun. It's not fun anymore. And again, I think I'd have said it already in this program, but like <laughs> if, if deer didn't taste good, I would probably not pursue. <laughs> the culture that is around that Still, unfortunately, even though we, we know all of these things are there, but, uh, don't take it too seriously and uh, and listen. I see. I, I like I like that. I asked I asked for one piece of advice. You gave me three gems, brother. So for those so for those of you for those of you listening, if you didn't catch it, I'm going to reiterate this. It's not as easy as it looks. Put your ego in your back pocket and have fun. I, I took like I just recently published a piece on outdoor, on outdoor life talking about bad advice I'd receive. For yeah. those of you listening, what he just said is not bad advice. It's those are gems he's dropping. So heed those words, people. All right, man. Listen, thank you, thank you, thank you. I truly appreciate you uh, taking the time out to sit and speak with me. You know, joining me on my lunch break while I sit here in this sweltering truck (laughs) (laughs) but uh dude man thank you man 
Nope. Did I lose you? Oh, there we go. I thought I lost you. <laughs> no, no, no. Still here. But yeah. Yeah. Like I said, thank you, man. I truly appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the opportunity, brother. I, I always enjoy getting to catch up. No doubt, brother. Yeah. Um, tell people where they could find you on social media. Um, well, I mean, the, the company plug, official NWTF on most of them, uh, Facebook, Instagram. We do have TikTok, and that's a growing place. Uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, you can follow NWTF there. Me, personally, I'm on uh, Instagram. I like Instagram more than, I think, any of them. Uh, I'm there as uh, Fred T. Bird. If you want to follow along to my crazy exercise and running regime. (laughs) And I I give you links to the the podcast there, too, uh, in my link tree, uh, Fred Bird on on Facebook. I'm on TikTok, but only professionally. Uh, I don't really do much with it. uh, That's a weird place. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. All right, brother. Again, thank you. And, um, dude, look forward to speaking to, uh, speaking to you again soon. Yes, sir. We'll do it. Thank you. Have a good one. Have a good one. Happy Father's Day. Oh, same to you, brother. All right. Got to thank Fred for taking the time out to sit and speak with me during my lunch break there. You guys know how I do. Um, definitely definitely a great conversation i've told you guys before this is probably the main reason why i do these podcasts is because it gets an opportunity for me to like i've said it before have cool conversations with some really cool people in regards to hunting so um you heard fred drop all that info you can catch him on instagram his own personal account is at fred t bird um you can catch him on the the what do you call it? The NWTF Instagram page, official, I believe it's official underscore NWTF. Um, that's where they plug a lot of his stuff in regards to the podcast. And you can catch him on the podcast that is entitled Turkey Call, um, you know, which, like he said, is pretty much the official podcast of the NWTF. All right. So, um, Definitely, definitely, definitely um, follow him on all those, follow and subscribe him on all those platforms. All right. So thank you again, Fred. Now, um, if you guys are interested in becoming a member of the National Wild Turkey Federation in the show notes will be a uh, what do you call it will be a link to a membership registration page. Check it out. Read up on it. Um, if you'd like more information before even becoming a member, hit me up, shoot me an email, urbanarcherynyc at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram. I'd love to answer your questions or hit Fred up or hit up the, the NWTF Instagram account. They respond as many followers as they have. They always respond, especially to, to questions that you may have about membership. All right. So check that out. Then also remember July 2nd, I partnered with the new york chapter of bha for the intro to deer scouting workshop so that link will also be in the show notes so you can rsvp lock in your spot all right um if this was your first time listening to the podcast thank you thank you thank you for taking the chance on it i hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation there's a whole lot what this is episode 80 there are 79 other episodes for you to choose from and listen to um so go back listen to that my my quote-unquote catalog um if you are a regular listener a subscriber well if you're not already go ahead and hit follow that follow button um if you are a regular listener subscriber thank you thank you thank you for always tuning in every time i drop an episode if you guys again first time listener regular listener if you haven't hook me up with a rating please hook a brother up with a five-star rating go to whatever um whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast head over to their review section like apple Podcasts allows you to not only leave a five-star rating but write a review so i'd really appreciate that um, I know on Spotify, you can only leave 
like a, a five star rate not five star you can only rate it by a number of stars i would hope you know you guys would hook me up with a five star rating and a dope review whatever platform you're listening to using to listen to this at at um the, because it's basically a way i guess the way podcast algorithms work i don't know if, if it's fairy dust that makes it operate whatever it is but from what i understand um ratings and written reviews um make it a lot easier for people to find it or for the podcast to be suggested to other people to listen to so hook a brother up so until next episode y'all remember to respect the journey even when it's not your own stay blessed i used to say the other way around you know what let me do this right all right y'all stay blessed and remember to respect the journey even when it's not your own (laughs) 